the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 116 of the Severe MMA podcast is here. My name is Sean Sheehan from SevereMMA.com, Shardog.com, and the Severe MMA podcast, which you're listening to right now with me, as he is every week, is the Jared Way of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, and we're going to take you through all of the last week in news and notes and all that good stuff in the world of MMA and look ahead as well to next week. We're going to talk about UFC 211, which is a, a just a brilliant card coming up next week. We're going to look back at Nate Diaz's interview with Ariel there a little bit. We're going to look at that and, and talk about what he said and what might be next for him, even though he didn't really say much and there probably isn't much next for him. But we'll discuss it anyway. We're going to look at the women's 125-pound division that was announced. We're also going to look back at Cage Warriors, um, the little bits and notes from that. We're going to look at a couple of fights that were announced and another few things too and, you know, all that good stuff. Before we do that, before we get to the Graham abusing me about soccer, Thanks to everyone who got involved with the Severe Met Podcast stickers. They went, they're all out now. They're all gone. I have only a couple left for like PT and Graham and the boys. Nile doesn't want one. Um, so thanks everyone for getting involved. Tweet up your pictures when you get them and stuff. If anyone has any interest in getting them, we might order in a few more and fucking start selling for a three or four euro or something like that and uh, make ourselves a little bit of money. So let us know and, and we'll see if we can we can do that. But uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for getting involved anyway. Graham, you looking forward to getting your sticker you are? <laughs> yeah yeah can't wait <laughs> or just uh before we move on uh when you compare me to uh, a person at the start of the podcast i barely ever know who you're talking about i wonder how many people actually know and how many people have to google or don't even bother googling <laughs> this one is actually a special one i did it i did it for a reason this week for uh so i can play it to someone else but I let people guess. They can they can tweet at Severe on my pod and uh, guess why I actually said it this week. But uh, yeah, who, who have I called you for? I called you Shinsuke Nakamura, um, Bobby Madley, who, and that's a good segue actually. Bobby Madley, who I just saw before we came on, gave Liverpool the biggest joke of a penalty of all time today. Trying to win you joking? More like what a farce! Your man just elbowed it out of the air for no reason. What a fire! Like hit him, it hit him in his shoulder nearly. He, he threw his arm nearly hair and elbowed it. That was I don't know what he was thinking, but uh, <sighs> but Fraser Foster was getting up all in uh, Milner's grill and wrecking the penalty spot beforehand with his with his foot. I don't know what the ref was doing there. Well, two things here. He actually didn't even get on the penalty spot when, with his foot. He, I saw it. I saw it exactly. I thought earlier on he'd done something egregious when you said it, but then I saw the actual clips and your fake news is incorrect. And uh, he, I'm, I love that shit. Like, I love if it was the other way around, I wouldn't mind either. Like, it, I love when people, get, you know, they mentally ruin someone or do something really. Miller should have pushed him out of the way. Should have, yeah. He should have, shouldn't have just taken. Yeah. Uh, or somebody should have ran in. I'd say if Henderson was on the pitch, he would have got involved and pushed. Uh, Cause a bit of a ruckus, but uh, yeah, yeah, should be can't be missing penalties at this stage of the season. Like, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad result losing points on uh, on Man City as well. So, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, well, he actually gained the point to Don Man United. Let's be honest, so it didn't really make any ah, well, We're not looking down, we're looking up. <laughs> well, you are looking down if you're looking at Man City, they're below you as well. Well, no, we weren't. But they weren't before the game, though. Oh, were they not? Oh, I don't even know. Uh, the Premier League. They, they played before. Me, they played on Friday. Did they play on Friday? I think didn't they? Uh, I don't know. All I care about is Europa or League. Or maybe Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Got the Vigo against Hamburg on Monaga, 2 0, last I saw. I didn't see the only, end. They only played two of the players that played against Man United, and apparently, three games before they played Man United as well, they played the rest of all the players. So maybe they rested them too much. That's the problem. But yeah, they're rusty out there. They looked terrible against Man United. Didn't they? they were awful. Yeah, they were awful. But I'm kind of happy Man United lost today because now there's. No, <laughs> seriously, I've been saying it in the podcast here for the last few weeks. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you can yourself with this, have you? No, it's a fact though. Like the league is gone. You're like we're not. I said we weren't going to beat Arsenal. We didn't beat Arsenal. We lost. We're not. It was in your own scores. hands today. It was in yeah, your own hands today. That's and you great. Ch- yeah, you're in your own hands. Oh, this is this is great. In your own hands when you're playing Arsenal and Spurs in two weeks. That's in your own hands. Or, uh, yeah, Arsenal, are, like, Arsenal are terrible. Arsenal are terrible at the moment. Today played a uh, bunch of guys holding and well back. All these guys that don't usually start as well. And um, Spurs have been. What about Man United's team? Man United brought in like 200 odd million worth of replacements. So Man United weren't playing their second team with Arsenal. Or is this what you're trying to say? Well, Arsenal brought in people that weren't good. Man United brought in highly paid, highly paid for <laughs> players. You're some spin doctor. You get you get a job with the fucking British government, so all the spin you're fucking doing. <laughs> you should be writing for Breitbart or something. You should. <laughs> Anyway. So Rooney, why, Rooney not squaring it to Mata like that was ridiculous. That was to make it, that would have won the game. Like Arsenal would have crumbled uh, if uh, yeah. Rooney just squares that for Mata to put in. That was terrible. In fairness, like Man United weren't even outplayed by Arsenal, and then Man United were terrible with half a team. Like it was, they got a lucky goal, and basically Man United gave up after. Sure, that your 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 boy, your boy Smalling with the missing the header there the for Danny Welbeck's goal it was more Darmian fault really. Just letting your man. <laughs> Only cap with a foot wrong in your eyes. Yeah, I, lo- I love it this morning. People, like, he he did play 90 minutes in fairness after being out injured after that idiot Phil Jones injured him. Oh, no, he injured Phil Jones, sorry. I take it back. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> and I yeah, do make like, excuses for your boy, Chris, or Mike Smalling. Sorry, Mike Smalling. The people actually don't know what they're talking about with Smalling, though. Like, they actually don't, seriously. Especially Van Gaal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially Van Gaal. Call him Mike. Anyway, we've been talking about this for too long now. Let's get on to the MMA. Uh, do you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna turn things on their head there, and I'm gonna start with something weird this week. We'll get into two eleven in a second, but a small topic before we start that. This Paige Van Zandt thing. The, uh, uh, this really annoyed me. Did you see this this week? She put up that video, kind of like showing this new Reebok uh, kit and her jumper and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and the, like the reaction of people on the internet. Was it was just, so lame the video as well. <laughs> yeah, but it was just like it was it was Paige Van Zandt like that's how she is. You know, she goes to church and she's like a, a wholesome, good-looking girl that's trying to be a model and things like that. And that's kind of how she is. <laughs> she goes to church. <laughs> that's how she's like. Like the, the worst thing she did was like pull up her top and, sh- and like show her stomach. Like, come on, if if that's the worst, you're, if you're giving out about that, if you're saying that's disgusting or whatever, what the fuck? Like, come on. People are going insane somebody over. Somebody taking oh. children now. Will somebody please take in the children, John? Yeah, I, and the worst is Ben Askren. <laughs> oh, I do you know? Oh, I don't know what he said, but it doesn't matter. He like Ben Askren is. Do <laughs> you know Ben Askren? He's becoming like Al Bundy. Like who's? Oh, he was really good in school, but and he's living off that just for the rest of his life. Like Ben Askren is basically a nobody now. Let's be honest here. He's fighting over in Asia where no one can watch him. No one even cares. Fighting against is he nobody. Fighting over in Asia. I don't know. He's fighting re- uh, coming up soon. Like yeah, he's doesn't ages. It's like that. He really grinds my gears when he does shit like that. Worry about yourself and don't worry about worry about other people. Like she didn't do anything bad. That's out there doing a lot worse shit than she's doing. Like uh, I was, and she, like people made her deleted and all by giving her so much abuse. Like fuck off, please. You agree with me or am I wrong? 
I'm not really passionate about it either way, to be honest. <laughs> I couldn't. Really... I am. I just. It really annoyed me. Like, oh, it really fucking annoyed me. But uh, yeah. Anyway, fair play to you, Paige. Uh, Chris, Chris Weidman. I was going to say Chris Benoit there for a second. I don't know why. Chris say Weidman. Chris Malling, because you love him so much. <laughs> Mike, uh, Chris Malling's uh, remake of it was very funny as well. So, <laughs> him. He kind of saved the day. So another God-fearing, lovely, wholesome American. Chris Weidman, so fair play to him. I think it, <laughs> Wonder Boy. Is pretty good. Oh, oh. See, they all go to church together. Him, he Wonder does. Boy, and he's still my boy. Wonder Boy, <laughs> Wonder Boy's friendship is paying off. I think, but uh, <laughs> right. Let's let's get into. Um, I I might start. I we've threatened a long time for me to start to grind my gears um, section in the podcast. So there you go. There's the first one. We might do it every week. Um, okay. Let's talk about UFC one or two one one two eleven <laughs> <laughs> UFC one ninety four. Who was in that one? McGregor Ronaldo was it? Yeah, that was good. But let's talk about the biggest fight first: Stipe Miocic versus Junior Dos Santos. Uh, is that the biggest fight, or you mean in terms of size? Well, it's the main event. Then is the biggest in terms of size. I, mean, I think it's both. It's actually, geez, looking at that, this card here, it's, a, it's an absolutely just a fantastic card. Uh, Look, I watched our first fight this morning again, um, and it was obviously a very, very close fight. Stipe won the first two rounds well. Junior won the third, and that's fourth and fifth were very close. Junior got two 49-46s, if I'm right, winning four rounds to one uh, on the judges' cards, which were just insane altogether. I don't know how, how they managed to get that, but I would have given it to Stipe, to be honest, but it was a very close one. I can see Junior. But the, the, I scored it at the time for... For JDS 48 47. Who did I score for? I don't think you're on there. Let me check. I'm not sure. It was very close. Like, I could have scored it for Junior. I could have scored it for Steep. It was one of those. But watching it this morning, I thought Steep won it. But, you you know, it it was definitely one of those ones you could go back and forth and it's kind of what you like. Yeah, I don't think you were. You're not there. I don't think you were scoring it at the time. I'm a whippersnapper. Fuck's sake. But I thought the strategy of the fight was the most important and the most. Uh, important, you know, or what's the word I'm, going, I'm looking for? The most illuminating thing looking back at it. Um, Junior De Santos, if you look at him, look at all his losses. Well, most of his losses, anyway, most of his fights. Uh, Kane Velasquez, the obvious one, looking back at him. You push Junior Dos Santos backwards, you push him up against defense, you tire him out, and you beat him. That's really how you beat him. You beat him with output, you beat him with forward movement, and that's what CPMH has tried to do. And he did it very, very well for the first two rounds. He, when Junior DeSantis gets backed up, he's not a great uh, counter striker. Although he can do it when he's kind of when he's countering, kind of in the mix in the pocket, he's very good. But when you push him back and you're throwing strikes as he's gone backwards, he can't really counter like that. That kind of like McGregor against Aldo, that kind of a thing, or you know, wonder by countering. He, he, you know, he can't do that. And a lot of heavyweights actually fight that way, but he can. But when he gets up against the fence, he can be pushed against the fence, he can be taken down. The dirty boxing is where Steve had big advantages. But Junior Dos Santos, he has that equalizer, and he that's what happened almost exactly at the midpoint of the fight to halfway through the third round. Dos Santos hit him with a big shot and just turned the whole fight, burst Steve's nose up, and had him bleeding. Then started getting on the front foot, started using his jab, landing a lot of shots, hurting Steve at the odd time. and that's kind of the story of this fight as well. You Stipe has to push him back. Junior has to push him back. And, you know, whoever is going to win that battle will probably win the fight, I think. And I'm really looking forward to it. Are you? 
Yeah, I think I think uh, Stipe has improved more since the last fight, but I think um, I think Junior hasn't taken that much damage compared to how much damage he taken before he fought, including that fight as well, including the fight with Stipe the first time, and obviously the Kenny Velasquez fights. So maybe that'll his chin might be a little bit better than than it has been. Um, for some reason, I t- I, I, I think Junior DeSantos is going to win this. Uh, heavyweights just never. They just never have long reigns at the top because heavy hitters like Junior DeSantos are around, and it's it, even if even if a guy's not a heavy hitter at heavyweight, it's just there's so much force hitting you that uh, usually the champions don't last long. But but like looking at the soul matchup, you'd have to say that Stipe is probably the favorite. But for some reason, I just have a feeling JDS is going to win this. Yeah, like he definitely definitely could. I think it's going to be. And kind of the opposite way to the last fight. I think it's going to end in knockout early. And I think if it goes long, it'll suit Stipe the later it goes, even though the last time it fought, it suited JDS because it went later. But I think, as you said, Stipe has improved an awful lot. JDS has two fights since he beat uh, Ben Rotwell and lost Alistair Overeem. Um, where Stipe is 4 0, he beat Mark Hunt, Andrew Arlovsky, uh, Fabrizio Verdum, and Alistair Overeem as well. <laughs> Look, to me, I think. As you said there, Steve has improved an awful lot. I think one thing he's improved an awful lot is his, not just his punch power, but his punch accuracy, his precision. And that's a very, very important thing, especially at heavyweight, because as you said, they hit so hard. You hit once, <clears throat> and that's the fight over. He's also improved his cardio. You know, we saw him obviously go to five rounds there uh, in that fight, and he struggled a little bit as it went on, but that's getting hurt as well. He went there with Mark Hunt. He didn't struggle. You know, he did very well, and obviously the, the other fights have um, have finished early. But I, I just think, as, look, I, I, my preview's coming up, and it's kind of a, it's a new preview as well, so if, if you're tuning in here, go and have a look at it. It'll be out uh, Thursday, I think, possibly, but Wednesday, Thursday, so have a look at that. But I was saying on that that... <clears throat> You were kind of saying it there as well that Junior Santos, he's not really making any more improvements. You know, he is maybe a little bit past his prime, but he's not getting better all the time. Whereas Stipe Miocic, I think he's still improving. You know, what is he? He's actually older, Stipe. He is, but he's actually older. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the damage he's taken isn't the same as he's been TKO'd uh, standing by, by. Stefan Struve, but he didn't go out cold or he didn't take a uh, substantial amount of damage. It was just a short fight. Junior DeSantis taken so much damage, but I think Junior has a better, better striking arsenal. He has more, he has more shots he can throw. I think, I don't like, you know, the way he took out Mark Hunt and just his boxing is probably better as well, but his chin doesn't quite hold up. And when you get in these fire exchanges at heavyweight, it only takes one shot. Yeah, I, agree. I really, like, I really don't know who's going to win this one. I really don't know. Who's going to it's win. a tough one. Like, my head says, "Hey," but I just, for some reason, I have a funny feeling. Um, JDS will win. Yeah, looking back at the first fight as well, you make great mind about his chin. Like the, the most damage he's ever taken is in the first Junior Rosantos fight. Really, like he hit him bang on three or four times in that fight, and he didn't knock him out. And for Junior Rosantos to do that to you, you know you have a good chin, and he hasn't really taken any damage in. So he mm-hmm. fought Mark Hunt, but he kind of, you know, he destroyed Mark Hunt in that fight, really. He got caught with a, a couple of fights of shots, of course, but as I said, finished Arlovsky Verdum over him very, very early. Uh, <clears throat> your your point as well about the striking, I don't know if Junior Rosantos has more weapons, but I think he's more dangerous weapons. You know, he can throw that overhand, land it. When he gets his jab going, he's a very, very good jab. 
when he gets that uppercut going, he can knock anyone out. You know, he throws combinations very well. Where Stipe throws him, he throws good combinations as well, but he throws him maybe faster. You know, whereas Junior Santos might throw a combination of two, three shots. Uh, you see Stipe throw maybe five, six, seven shots and putting on that pace, putting on, you know, putting on the pace altogether. And he's kind of fighting to the blueprint of Cain Velasquez. As I said at the start there, that's that's the blueprint to beat Junior De Santos really, and it's there. So we're going to see, I think, a very similar uh, fight to the first fight. But I think, as uh, you know, as we kind of mentioned, it's their changes between back then and now make me think that Stipe is going to win it. Like I think Stipe cardio is better. He's, I think his chin is just as good. I think his striking is better. I think his power is better. You know, he's a he's a fella that's developed his power over a long time. And I think as well, Dos Santos has done very well to stick with the you know the elite group uh, since getting uh, beaten by Velasquez that time and losing to Overeem again. You know he's only one fight since that and one win, but he's still doing very well to stay there. I think it's you know it's going to be a good fight, but I think Stipe has just come along so much since that first fight, and which was a very close fight that he probably could have won. Like, yeah, I think uh, Stipe has the the wrestling and the grappling advantage to fall back on as well. Um, he could tire out Junior Santos early if he wanted, but pushing up against he, he he's not great at uh at not being put up against a cage. Uh, JDS he gets stuck there pretty easily. Uh, even in <clears throat> even in uh, the second cane fight. Um, but uh, he does he did he did have improved takedown defense. If you remember the second Kane Velasquez fight, um, Kane was shooting for takedowns all over the place in the first round. It was mm-hmm. like kind of like Ben Askren does. It was like desperation stuff, and uh, Junior Santos was, was getting away from all of them. And uh, and uh, in the end, though, Velasquez got the takedown and beat him up a bit and slowed him down. And then Junior De Santos wasn't the same on the feet after that because he 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 lost a bit of energy and explosion. So I can see Stipe if he if he's if he's working a smart game plan, I can see him like uh, tiring tiring Junior a bit and stopping that uh, that huge power that Junior does have early that he put that uh, early in the fight that he did put Cain Velasquez away with in uh, the UTM Fox debut a few years ago. So yeah, I, I I'd say um as you were saying earlier, even though the first fight went went the opposite direction of uh, how the fight swung, I think I think this fight the longer it goes, Stipe Stipe will uh will have more of a chance um of winning, and I think I think Junior has to get it done early. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree as well. Look, I think your point about wrestling is another very good point as well. Like he he did a bit of that kind of been asking going for you know going for an ankle pick early as well, desperation thing against Dos Santos, and he usually got it up against the cage, which is just as good really when you're fighting Junior Dos Santos because he takes a lot of damage there. But he couldn't really get him down much. I think he got maybe one two takedowns at him, but you know they didn't really affect the fight hugely. Like maybe you know I think actually Dos Santos got him down as well at one stage. So. I think that's an area in which he'll improve and an an area which he'll also improve output wise because after he got hit hard at the midpoint of the fight the last time he kind of he stopped that as much and that's something you need to do against Junior Dos Santos you know as I said get him on the back foot whether that's on the back foot striking or whether it's on the back foot when he's back against Vince you know Junior Dos Santos when he has room to move when he can move sideways when he can move his feet he's very very good foot movement very very good defense very very good attacking when you're getting backing up he drops his hands he leaves himself wide open he he runs away he get, can get caught by big hooks and stuff like that that's how you beat him but the wrestling, I think it's going to be hard to take him down, but up against the fence, there's so many opportunities with Junior Dos Santos. You know, when you kind of picture him, you picture that, uh, you know, that 
situation of him up against the fins against Cain Velasquez and Stipe did the same thing to him in the first in the first fight and I'll say it again that dirty box and I could see him getting knocked down and against the fins with dirty boxing because he's so open and Stipe you know won that a lot uh, the first time around but yeah I'm going for I think I'll go for an early knockout for Stipe this time I just think he'll, he'll have too much he'll be more confident and uh, he'll put JDS away I'll go for either a, a late stoppage for Miocic or a decision, but I have a funny feeling Junior Santos going to catch him early, but I'm going to go with my head and go with Miocic. Nice, nice. Right, let's talk about the co-main event, where another title is on the line, as the Polish lady, as my father calls her, Joanna Injic, <laughs> takes on Jessica Andrade, the, you know, the, the real up-and-coming uh, person in the strawweight division with three wins in the strawweight division since jumping down from 135. And as well, we, we have a new writer coming to Severe in May. We, we'll, we'll, we'll announce it on over on Twitter, but uh, I think Tuesday, the article will be up, a very good article about uh, Jessica Andrade and her evolution and how she matches up with uh, Joanna Injic, so definitely check that out. But Graham, I'll let you take this one. How do you see this fight going? Do you, who are you picking? What way do you think it'll go from the first bell? I think Johan and Ian Jacek is just on a different level, uh, striking-wise. I think uh, Andrade comes in with wide kind of hooks a lot and is uh, is definitely powerful and, and uh, relentless. But I think Joanna's um, superior ability, technique, and movement, uh, her jab. Uh, I just think her shot selection is a lot better and she has a lot more shots. Um, I think the person to beat Ioana and Jacek will have to wrestle her a bit more than Andrade will be, will be able to. Um, Andrade has struggled on the ground when she, she actually has a couple of losses on the ground. Even though maybe, I think they might have been at the 20 pounds higher weight class, but uh, still, Ioana and Jacek's um, going to be very hard to submit. She's going to be very hard to get down and keep down, as as she showed in the second Claudia Gadella fight, that she's come on a lot there. I, I just think uh, her volume striking and uh, her combinations um, will just will just uh, TKO Andrade as the fight goes on, maybe in the second or third round. Yeah. I agree with you, but I think... I think uh, Andrade can win this fight, <clears throat> and I think it's all gone down to game plans. And her game plan needs to be to use her physique. I know she's only five foot two or something, but she's a much, you know, she's she's fit for hard ground, as they say. You know, she's she's a big, you know, she made one thirty five. She fought there. She's a wide, you know, hefty person. She that's and she needs to use that. You know, the injection is very slight. She can fight up a bit weight, up weight a bit as well. She's tall for the weight class, but she uh, uh, Andrade is definitely definitely stronger than her. she needs to use that look at that Claudia Gadelia fight the second one and, and the first one as well to an extent but the second one especially she pushed Injecek up against the fence. she held her there you know two rounds basically Injecek she expended a lot of energy doing it though it was very she very did. tired afterwards Joanna um, didn't just rest there she was constantly battling and I think that took a lot out of Gadella I don't think Jessica Andrade is anywhere near the grappler that, uh, that Gadella is she isn't, but she's definitely stronger, I think. And she's I think she's bigger. And I think she can do that to Injecic if she actually tries. Or well, I don't know if she can. Maybe she can. You know, I'm just, I'm just thinking of ways she can win. And I think she can win that way if she's well schooled enough in doing that. And if she has the right game plan to go out and do it. But whether that's the case or not, we obviously we won't know until the weekend. But I think not. But I think that's, if I was in her corner, that's how I'd be telling her to fight. I think that's how she should look to fight. Because if she looks to go out and strike with Yinjicic, 
look, she's heavy hand, as you said there, very good five knockout wins, <clears throat> which, you know, most of the, most of those were fighting people two weight classes above her she's fighting at the moment. So, you know, you can't sniff at that. Seven submission wins. She's a finisher, and she can definitely finish um, Ian Jacek standing up. She has big, heavy hooks, sets him up well. Ian Jacek likes to... You know, she likes to come forward with her kind of Muay Thai style and throw, you know, five, six common, um, shot combinations <clears throat> at a time. But like all good fighters, she's very good footwork, likes to go sideways, likes to, you know, circle around the cage and then trashes hooks to the body, especially, and to the head. You know, they can hurt Injecic, definitely. But it, it's going to be very tough. <clears throat> she likes... She likes the fight coming forward, just like, you know, as I was saying about Ken Velasquez and, and Stephen Miocic, you need, you know coming forward is the way to beat them well coming forward is the way that um andraj likes to win fights she likes to come with pace use her strength use her physical abilities and, and win the fight and yin jacek needs to take them all away from her she needs to push them back she needs to keep her at the end of the jab she needs to use she's obviously she's the faster person probably she needs to use her speed she needs to use her technique and she needs to box her up over five rounds yeah i think um I think Jessica Andraj will probably get frustrated when when she can't get her her hooks off and she's eating eating jabs and she'll probably end up running into something. But yeah, it, as you say, Joanna isn't isn't uh, she's been cracked before. Like she isn't invincible. She got cracked there. Was it was it her last fight? Or was it she had one in between when she got she yeah. got dropped in the fourth? Was it? Kievich, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was her last fight, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, so yeah, she's she she recovered well from that one, but um yeah, as you say, Jessica Andrade has a couple of knockouts at the the way, higher weight class, so she's definitely it's definitely not a not a foregone conclusion. But the bookies have it qu- quite close, and I I definitely think that um Joanna is a is a should be a bigger favorite than she is. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, look, I <clears throat> it's a good fight. I, I like it. I think Andrade has looked like a killer since come down. You know. Maybe not great. Well, she, look, that Angela, Angela Hill fight was a funny yeah. one because Angela Hill isn't great at all. She's got to go. She, people like her yeah, personality and stuff, but I think people uh, yeah. overestimate her because they like her. Um, well, she also destroyed her, and people said it was an even fight, which we spoke about. In the that's because people after. really like Angela Hill because they see it through yeah. different uh, glasses, maybe. <laughs> That is true. Uh, Jessica Aguilar is fighting uh, Courtney Casey as well on, on the card. Should be a good fight. Jessica Aguilar, obviously the, the former um, pound for pound number one, I believe, or, or at least women's throwaway number one um, before before the UFC started the division. So that should be good. Um, as well, you know, they can be looking upwards, I suppose, at that fight. But let's talk about a couple of the other fights on the card. Um <laughs> Let's, let's do it. Let's just go Damien Maya against Harham Asvidal. I know you have a lot of opinions on this. We spoke about it during the week, especially the betting lines. Which yeah, I think really I talked insane. about it last yeah. week. Um, <laughs> Damien Maya is still an underdog for some reason in this fight. I think people are overestimating uh, Masvidal's win over Cerrone. It was a uh, the style matchup to beat Cerrone is somebody who can box. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's it. Just someone who can box. I, I, I always joke. You can fly me over. I always joke that uh, Cerrone's allergic to boxing, but he kind of is. Uh, it's just it's just a style to beat him. He gets beaten up badly when guys can throw hands uh, at him, and that's what happened in the Masvidal fight. Uh, but Maya, ever since he was knocked out in seven seconds or ten seconds or whatever it was against Nate Marquardt, he hasn't even tried to strike. He just is relentless, getting trips and throws and unor- not really single legs or double legs very rarely, but constantly uh, 
tripping people, just little throws, little unorthodox, little little ways to get people to the ground. And once he gets you to the ground, he just dominates. Uh, people can't use butterflies against him at all. He just tripods over them. I was watching this uh, BJJ Scout, which is uh, a YouTube channel. They sometimes break down um, break down um, fighters like ahead of fights. They broke down Dominic Cruz's style before, and they're breaking down Demian Myers, and they were they were showing that he he kind of tripods over the guard and. Even if you waste loads loads of energy trying to use butterfly guards, which butterfly guard is usually used on the ground when you're trying to attack or you're trying to get back to your feet, and Maya's just a master of negating that and passing over the mount, and he has so many little tricks, and he's so heavy on top that I think once he gets Masvidal there, it's the beginning of the end. But come here, I want to do a little exercise. Do this. Tell me, I'm going to name a few fighters, and you tell me what their base is, right? When they started MMA, right? Gilbert Melendez. Um, wrestling, right? Rustam Habilov, Sambo, Alaya Quinta, wrestling, Vincent Henderson, karate. This is kind of wrestling, okay? Lorenz Larkin, um, hmm. wrestling. There you go. Do you know what all those guys have in common? They all beat all him as well. That's what happens. By split decision, all of them pretty much. Well. <laughs> <laughs> they all beat him. Like, okay, and another another stat here: Harry Masvidal has gone to decision twenty eight times in his career, right? So he's in thirty knockouts as well. But like forty in forty six fights, the what a quarter of his fights uh, around he he has finished. He's two submission wins as well. He's not going to submit Demi Maya. Let's be honest with that. So like his fight, if Masvidal is going to win it, is more than likely going to be won by decision. Like, can you see him going three rounds with Damian Maya without getting taken down, without being on the floor at some stage, with how good Damian Maya's submissions are and how well, well he's wrestling force, obviously, his takedowns. You know, his his ability just to see that one thing and a click of a finger take you down, catch that leg, put you on your back. Like, oh, my, and I must say as well, Masvidal's take on defense has improved hugely over the past, uh, you know, few fights especially. But I think Maya's takedowns have improved so much that it's it's going to be very tough. Like, look what he did to Gunnar Nelson. Yeah. Look what he did to Neil Magny, Ryan LaFleur, who are all, you know, as good or not. You can, ignore, you can, ignore, you can ignore them. Look what he did to Gunnar Nelson on the ground. Just mm-hmm. don't, like, look what Gunnar Nelson does to everybody else on the ground. And then look what Maya did to, everybody, to Gunnar Nelson on the ground. Yeah. It's, he's unbelievable. Like he's next level. Even even the top guys at Jiu Jitsu aren't near him in, in MMA. They're not near him. Like, and if you look at um, Masvidal, since he lost them two uh, decisions to uh, Ben Henderson and uh, uh, Lorenz Larkin, he's beaten Jake Ellenberger while Ellenberger was training at Glendale. <laughs> um, a moment. He's beaten, a moment. He, he, <laughs> he's beaten Ross Pearson. Okay. He beat him by decision, but it's not exactly Damian Maya, let's be honest. And he's beaten Don Cerrone, which we talked about being a nice style matchup for him. Yeah. And Cerrone being susceptible to, to this kind of loss. So, I don't know what the... If Damian Maya was a two-to-one on favourite, I'd be betting on him. So, I'm, I'm, I'm either going to look really stupid uh, after this, or or the, bookie, the bookies are seeing something I'm not, or I don't know what's going on. It's just a misprice, I think. Yeah, there used to be a lot of odds like this, I think, in MMA. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while, yeah. Yeah, but this is really weird. I, like, 
I'm not even like even like the hype and stuff because sometimes that can affect it. Or like if someone has been on a really good winning streak or something like that. But like Masvidal has none of those things. Like he's won three fights in a row or something. But Maya has like just destroyed everyone for the last couple of years. You know he he does have good takedown defense. It's it, it's a tough matchup for Damian Maya. Don't get me wrong. Like but uh, the age maybe is what the bookies are looking at. That's the only thing I can think of. But he's uh, he hasn't shown any signs whatsoever of slowing down from what I've seen. So. Uh, I don't know. He's barely taken any damage in the last five fights. I think this is started taking like four or five strikes in the last four or five fights. It's it's some ridiculous stat like that. It might even be more impressive than that. Yeah. He's he's uh he definitely hasn't been taking any damage that would worry me in in terms of him being over the hill. But I don't know. I don't know what the bookies are thinking here. Maybe big money came in on Masvidal from somewhere, and that's why the market's like that. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Masvidal is a gamer now, in fairness as well, and it it is one of those you know striker versus grappler matches that if Masvidal can keep it standing, he will beat Maya. You know, it well, is Maya's not that bad on the feet ah, though. He is bad. He's like he's bad. not that bad. He's not like you know he's gonna get like he he can survive temporarily if he if he has to. He's not just gonna get blown out of the water like he he managed to to last with Anderson back in back in the day at a, at a higher weight. Like okay, he didn't. He didn't do great, but a few a, a few people gave him a round against Anderson during that when it was on the feet. So he's not exactly a novice on the feet, but he's way way better on the ground than he is on the feet. So for him, he just doesn't even use his striking anymore. He just since the Nate Marquardt fight, since he got knocked out, he just I think he just decided I'm not even going to strike at all unless absolutely necessary. Yeah, right. We better move on because we'll fucking spend all night of that. I guess we're both picking Damian Maya by submission on that one. Uh, the next one I think is the one that's going to divide opinion again. We, we gave our pick a couple of weeks ago, and I think I've changed my pick since then. That's Frankie Edgar, the answer. But does uh, Yair Rodriguez have the right yeah. questions? That's I'm going for. I'm going, actually going for Frankie as well. I think I said Yair before, but I watched that <laughs> Alice Casera's fight again, and it just worried me. Worried me. Um, Frankie has a way of finding a way as well. He's scrappy and he can adjust on the fly, but I still am torn. Like, yeah, you could put it together and take him out here and, and it could be a big moment for him. It could be a, a star making or at least at least a, a breakout moment for Yair if he does get the win. But I think Frankie will probably, he probably, he'll probably just eke out the rounds and beat him. Yeah, you picked Yair at the time, and now you're picking Frankie. I picked Frankie at the time, and now I'm picking Yair. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just watched that Caceres fight, and I'm just like, oh. Like, Caceres is underrated a bit as well. But he, is, like, he, is. he just, he, once them spinning kicks and stuff were, and flashy kicks weren't landing for Yair, he kind of didn't know what to do. But that was a couple of years ago now as well, and he, he's a young, evolving fighter. Is that and long ago? The mixture of Anderson Silva, GSP, Conor McGregor. <laughs> Fedor. Uh, Joe Rogan himself as well. <laughs> He needs the tattoos and he'll be there. He needs to start, he needs to buy a compound bow and uh, go out and shoot a few elk and cook them with uh, jalapenos and eggs and then he'll be Joe Rogan. But um, uh, look, the judges love Frankie Edgar as well. So these close rounds, he, he has a way of his style is is judge happy. I'm not sure what what about it. Or do they? Remember that, that those two Vincent Henderson fights were very close. Joe bought well the first Jose Aldo fight yeah, anyway. Well, 
that was a tough choice for the judges. Ben Henderson is uh, a favourite son of the judges as well, so that was a very yes, tough one. It was, yeah. It's like choosing between... Um, <laughs> well, but yeah, uh, look, I just think... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the Caceres matchup, Styles to make fights, and I think it was maybe more mostly the size of Caceres that made him kind of a tough... Um, and he's gritty as well, you know, very gritty. Frank Yeager smaller than a year, I think, or a little, not as rangy kind of anyways. A year fights a very close-up kind of fighting game. Like, Frankie will be trying to get in, in close, box him up, and he'll be trying to take him down, you know, catch a leg, put him on his back. Uh, very like what you saw with Cub Swanson, which I think is actually maybe a good uh, a good factor going into this fight because Cubs, you know, Yair, if you were to compare him to someone, you'd probably say a little bit like Cub, you know, wild striking. And um, I think it's similar to Cub as well. I think he's kind of an exciting jiu-jitsu game as well. Like when he gets taken down, and he has before, he kind of, he tries to sweep out with like jiu-jitsu sweeps, take her back, like go for a heel hook and leg locks and things like that. He doesn't just stay there and get into guard and stuff, which I love, which I really like, with, especially with strikers like that now against Frankie Edgar, that can take your gas tank. You know, if you can't get out, you're going to be even more tired when you get on the ground. When you get held down by Frank Edgar, it's going to be very tough. But this is over three rounds as well. That one was over five rounds. You know, he can he can expend more energy here without fear of getting tired as well, which is another thing. I just think he can run around long enough. He can land that one big shot. I'm still not convinced of Frank Edgar's chin. I'm not going to lie about it. He doesn't really fit hard hitters that much when he does. Like Jeremy Stevens hit him once and nearly knocked him out in that fight. Yeah. Um, He's always been. He's always. Graham Ennard. He made Graham Ennard look like a world class boxer. <laughs> he certainly did twice. Yeah. Um, Three times. What, was it? Yeah, they fought. Remember they drew. Uh, he only Graham made him look Beaton. like a. He only made him look like a <laughs> world class boxer twice, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, like it's a really tough one because Frankie Edgar, like he's he's loved by the fans, so he's been over, he's been overestimated by the fans for a long time, in my, in my view, like. Uh, his fight against Uriah Faber wasn't great. Like Uriah Faber is very over the hill and undersized, even for Frankie Edgar. Then Mendez was coming off. He shouldn't have even been in that fight. He he should have yeah. been he shouldn't have been in that fight. He came back too soon. Then he got the head beat off him by Jose Aldo. Again. Um again. I mean he's had he's had, he's he's taken some damage over the years. Like BJ Penn put a beating on him the first fight and then somehow BJ lost the decision. Then um the Q Gray Maynard fight, he took a lot of damage in them. And uh, even the Jeremy Stevens, he took a good bit of damage in that. He took a bit of damage off Cub Swanson in the first round as well. He, he's, if Yair can catch him early, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was able to put him away because there's only so long you can take these strikes for, especially when you've you've been around for as long as Frank Yeager's been around. And as you say, uh, uh, Yair's going to be the bigger guy. He's going to have the reach advantage, and he's very dangerous with his with his kicks and his long distance strikes. But I just think Frankie will probably get a takedown and grind and wear on him and eke out really close. It'll probably be a very disputed decision. <laughs> Do you know what this reminds me a little bit of? Not in, not in the same uh, ability-wise or anything like that, but in the same kind of young lion coming up against an old guy who's still really good, but maybe getting bypassed a little Jack Ray against Robert Whitaker. It has a bit, it has a bit of that written on it for me. Like Jacques, or I'm um, sorry, um, Yair Rodriguez is that new age of striker. If Governor Patrick Oyman's article on Bleacher Report, people listen to this, where he, he talks about the development of fighters for the last few years, and I think Yair Rodriguez is that. He, we, you know, we speak about it on the podcast as well a lot. 
this, these elite strikers are the ones that are doing the best in MMA now because they know the grappling, because they can stay on their feet, they can stop people taking them down. And if he can do that to, against Frank Edgar, I think he he's a better striker. He's a, like Frank Edgar won most of his fights through, in his career through all output and you know through being faster being more gritty being having better cardio but Yair Rodriguez can do that too but he can do it in a more flashy way with harder shots more chance of knocking you out and I don't know I just think it's a changing in yeah, the I think, moment. I think um, it's a, if Yair's gonna win he's if he, if he starts landing early he'll grow in confidence and but if he if he if he can't land his, his dis, long distance strikes early and Frankie's landing some shots and I'm like I can see Frankie taking over the fight pretty quickly. So I think it's important how Yair starts. Um, if he can get off early, I, I think he can win it. But if Frankie can frustrate him, he he seemed to me to get frustrated pretty quickly against Alex Caceres and just kept going back to the the bit, kind of trying to trying to land a big highlight reel finish. And when he couldn't do that, he didn't seem to have a, a plan B. Yeah, I agree. Right, let's move on. Hank Cejudo is taking on Sergio Pettis. <sighs> We won't spend too much on that. That's that's going to be a good fight as well on on the yeah, field. The odds are massively in uh, Cejudo's favor, but uh, I'm picking. I, I lean towards Cejudo, but I, I wouldn't rule out Pettis at all here. This is a very close fight. Like we putting a little wager on on Pettis here. I think. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I don't think. I think Cejudo will win, but I think I kind of agree with you that it is a it is a close fight. Like I, I do think Cejudo improved, especially it was it was Joseph Benavidez, wasn't it? Yeah, he fought the last time. Very impressed with. It. I've always been impressed with his boxing, but maybe he's taken. He took it to another level. I think in that fight, especially doing enough on where he can change it up and get takedowns and put Pettis on his back. Like I think Pettis, it's weird to seem to say, but I think he's a better fighter than his brother in that way in getting taken down. I don't think he, he's as easy to do with as Anthony is. So there is that. He must take that into account because sometimes people tend to get brothers and siblings and stuff mixed up and when they're different fighters, it happens with the Diaz brothers all the time. But I do think still that Cejudo can take him down, can put him down, and he'll do enough to win rounds. Pettis, you know, he's been a notorious kind of fast starter and then he fades away a little bit. Um, I, I could see that happening again in this one here and Cejudo maybe losing the first win in the next two, but it should be a good fight. I'm surprised that uh, the UFC made this matchup a little bit because uh, I thought they might kind of try and build Pettis into into a contender. Uh, he's been improving every every fight, um, but as you say, this this Henry Henry Cejudo should be able to take him down in this fight. And if he is, uh, it's probably going to be a pretty boring decision for for Cejudo, and it'll kind of take the the momentum away from Pettis. But as I was saying earlier, I don't rule out Pettis here. Like the odds would would have you think that Cejudo is uh, nailed on the win, but I definitely wouldn't be putting uh, Henry Cejudo in my accumulator at that price uh, against Pettis, who was always dangerous on the feet. And um, who does been taken out by Demetrius Johnson with a body shot before, and the Pettis brothers are known for, for having very, very good body shots, so body kicks especially. So I wouldn't rule out Pettis at all here, and I would, wouldn't be putting Cejudo in my accumulator anyway. That's a good seems shout like out. A lot about, seems like we're talking a lot about betting this, uh, or I am anyway, <laughs> this podcast in particular, but yeah, there a bit all over the place, maybe. Sure, why not? I suppose. Right. Uh, the, next, the last kind of big fight we want to talk about is Eddie Alvarez against Dustin Poirier, which headlines the undercard of of this. And actually, Christoph Jacko against David Branch is well a good fight. We might mention that. First, that one, Jacko and Branch. Yeah, I fancy, like, I fancy Jacko on that one. I don't know. Uh, Branch has been looked very good since yeah. he since he went since he left the UFC. He was dominating two weight classes. He seems to have evolved. Um, 
and this is like he's been working a long time to get back here. This is, I say, this is a lot more important to David Branch. Maybe Jocko might be taking him a little bit lightly. That's just complete speculation. I think maybe not lightly, but I think um, I think David Branch. I think David Branch will get this done. Listeners, uh, a, a, a t- what's the word? Attentive listeners to the podcast will know that last week I said Christoph Jocko is going to be the UFC middleweight champion in 2018. So I kinda... well, you said uh, dark horses. <laughs> I did, yeah. So he might lose and still become champion. But yeah, 50 50 one. I kind of fancy Jocko. Uh, Alvarez against Poirier. I really fancy, f- f- what? I fancy Alvarez here. Um, I don't know. Like, one of the, like, coming back off that humiliation and that beating he took. Yeah. I um, some guys aren't the same afterwards, and Medi Alvarez was already was already not looking great, even on, <laughs> on his way to that title. I know he I know he looked good against RDA, but besides that, he wasn't looking great. He lost to Cerrone. He had a couple of very contentious decisions, uh, more than a couple actually. Yeah, he lost to Pettis. He lost to uh, somebody else as well. I can't even remember. But he won and he, he beat him. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Poirier, like when he lost to Johnson, it's a bad day in the office, maybe for Pettis and in, in that fo- or for uh, Poirier in that in that fight against Michael Johnson. This is a really tough one. There's a lot of mitigating circumstances here with Eddie Alvarez. Um, I think I think Justin Poirier is going to get it done by decision. Yeah, by decision. I don't. I think if it goes to decision, Alvarez will win it. Like I think Alvarez can beat Poirier the way Poirier gets beaten. You know, when he, sometimes when he gets pushed up against the fence, he, when he lands, you know, McGregor said it before that fight, and it turned out to be right. You know, he's chin. You know, he goes down to one leg. You know, or he goes out to one knee. The famous line he said, whenever he gets touched, and Alvarez does hit hard. Akira Kurosani put him down. Like in fairness, so or was it Diego? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, like I think both of these lads can knock each other out. To be honest, but I think Eddie Alvarez. He's wrestling. He'll take away Poirier's wrestling. I don't think he'll be able to wrestle him that much. And I think he'll be able to, not so much his wrestling, but like he's, he's clinch work and he's Greco. Well, Greco, I sound like a, such a prick when I said it that way. But, you know, I can push him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate when people said I don't. Like, that's like me said some name for a judo throw. I'm acting as if I know what it is. But yeah, I, I just think Alvarez can push him up against the fence, can win like two or three rounds. It'll probably, you know, I could see it being a contentious split decision as well. But as you say, like, like Frankie, like Benson Anderson, they like even. Eddie Alvarez the decision so I can see him going that way maybe I'm wrong here but isn't Dustin Poirier a southpaw yeah he is I believe yeah yeah I think so I think uh, I just have a feeling that he's going to get it done here I think he's going to I think he's going to win uh, Poirier by decision do you think Alvarez could have a bit of the, the Chad Mendes about him you know his chin could be gone he's coming back too soon he can get knocked out I think again. he is coming back a little bit too soon he, he got rattled hard many times in that McGregor fight mm-hmm. like he got dropped really hard early and then a few times again and that that um actually if it is a really funny video of um this big muscly black guy reacting to McGregor versus Alvarez on um YouTube and he's talking about uh he's talking about the four punch combo finish that he calls it a four piece and then he starts talking about it being a, a snack box or a lunch box. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. So we hit him with the four piece. Uh, <laughs> Like you know, he took a lot of damage in that fight, and um, more than Chad Mendes took in, took in the fight against Connor. And he was it was an humiliation. Like he it was the biggest spot of his life, the biggest spot that you could possibly be in an MMA is fighting Conor McGregor. So, um, Look I just have life. a feeling that's going to be too. I just have a feeling that Justin Poirier is going to win this one. I, I think uh, it's a very close matchup either way, 
and I think that the the pressure on uh, Alvarez is is huge as well. I don't think he handled the pressure at all uh, well against McGregor. So I think the pressure might get to Alvarez again here, and he might end up losing. Yeah. So I'm picking for um, you. Chad Skelly against Jason Knight's on that as well. The Hick Diaz, Jason Knight it is, I believe. <laughs> James Vick, who I'm, I, I think is a very dangerous fighter, is fighting Marco Polo Reyes, my, Patrick Sheen's favorite fighter. That should be a good fight, I think. But I, I, if I see Vick winning that one, and there's eight people on the preliminary card apart Why from... Why is there like Aaron 14 Casey. fights? What's going yeah, on? They, they have no Wikipedia page between the eight of them. So 14 I'm fights? Them. Like, come on. 11 is enough. This is insane. There's a light heavyweight fight opening, open up the card by two lads who sound like they, they wouldn't even get on a Bama card. So, you know, the one I people who bought Fight Pass are happy with them and Fight Pass yeah. fights. Gabriel, Gabriel Benitez against Enrique Barzola. Rashad Coulter against Chase Sherm. These are just like random kind of immigrant American names. Have you not, have you, have you not been getting inundated with messages about when the Rashad Coulter fight is starting? No, they've all been been talking about Gad Zihurmad Antigulov. They've all been talking about him. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's where where all them um, porn stars are coming from. They're all his friends. Before we let's get on to the whole uh, Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor boxing fly Mayweather shit there here for a minute. Um, I'll start that off by saying this. Canelo Alvarez fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. to weekend, absolutely murked him for 12 rounds, one of the worst fights I've ever seen. But at the end of that, they announced, uh, Canelo announced that he would be fighting Gennady Golovkin, Triple G, uh, September 16th, I believe, second week in September, or the third week, possibly. Um, in this loss that they had been talking about Floyd Mayweather fighting Conor McGregor in. So, even if it's a week, four week after, that's probably not going to happen around then if the Triple G Canelo fight is because they don't like to have these big high priced pay per views on around the same time. What's, let me kick it you right there. What's your opinion on that? What's going on? What's, what's really going on? Well, Floyd, this game, Floyd apparently, I'm no boxing expert, but Floyd apparently fights May and September in Vegas exclusively mm-hmm. for, for years and years. So if you, as you're saying that that September date is, or that September big fight is taken, then or doubt, doubt they're going to be the co-main event under no under Floyd and Connor. So uh, I don't think you need any co-main event under under Floyd and Connor. People will tune in and buy the pay per view just for that um, single single bout. So you nearly called it a fight there. You nearly did it. Nearly never won the race <laughs> unless the bull's name was nearly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've always I've always been very skeptical of this McGregor McGregor Mayweather about and uh I still if I had to bet I still wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. There's too many uh, awkward bastards to try and convince that uh that this is in their interest and people are talking about oh um the UFC are gonna make Connor sign a six, seven, eight, ten fight deal if if he does this, but what's to stop McGregor just retiring? They can't stop him retiring. So it's a, I don't think the UFC should do it. Like it's, it's too big of a risk. They need Conor McGregor so badly. I think this lull in MMA at the moment, even though this fight's going on, there's just a lull because Conor McGregor isn't around, because Ronda Rousey isn't around, because John Jones isn't around, but especially because Conor McGregor isn't around. And they need him. They need him so badly. Um, 
that it's a very big risk to have him go off and have a Queensbury rules bout with Floyd Mayweather <laughs> and maybe retire with 100, 150 million. Yeah, like that's, we spoke about it a while back as well. I think if he does get that, it's going to be hard for him. Like McGregor, McGregor he's not He's always, always, Come always up. talked about retiring early, getting out, getting in, getting rich, getting out. He's he, I, like, he's talked about it since before he was even in the UFC about retiring early. He doesn't want to be one of them guys in in their passes prime getting beaten getting brain damage getting injuries whatever it is so it's a very big risk for the ufc it's a very big risk for the ufc it's a very big risk for floyd as well um it's a very big risk for a lot of people and i just don't i just if i had to bet i'd still say it's 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 closer like i said i think the last time we talked about it i said like 30 percent. it's probably more 60 40 now from what i'm hearing a lot of people are convinced it's going to happen but I just don't think so. I just don't think so. I, I do think it's going to happen. I think Ariel tweeted that in his interview with Connor in, uh, where was it, Liverpool or Manchester or somewhere, somewhere over in England, anyway, that Connor said he expected it or, or something like hinted at it happening maybe in November or the start of next year. So that wouldn't make sense. And, you know, McGregor kind of, he knows more than everyone else in this kind of situation. So I could I could see that happening. I don't know. I just think it will McGregor happen. McGregor knows he's being recorded, though. And he knows he's being recorded. He's yeah. trying to get this fight to happen. Like, Floyd, let's not forget, like, six months ago or something, Floyd Mayweather was tweeting out terrible Photoshopped uh, posters. That, like, And people were like, oh, the fight's happening or the bout's happening or whatever. And uh, this has been going on for months and months and months. And there's been no progress whatsoever. Like, there's no real progress being made. I don't know. I think they're. I think they threw out a few random figures, and people went a bit mad. And then, yeah, but like if you think about it, McGregor. We, okay, we know McGregor's on board. Floyd Mayweather gave like a ten-minute interview at the back of his fucking van the other day, talking up Conor McGregor how he could beat him. Dana White is on board. He, Stop doing he, that as well. What the hell is he doing? That's not how you sell a fight. But like, what I, 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 do you not think they're all on board? No, like I think it, it's. I think honestly, they all want it to happen, but there's so many people involved, like Showtime and. Floyd and DUC and WME, ING and Connor and everybody's going to want what they think is their fair share of the pie and that's these people like Connor McGregor is a very good negotiator so is Floyd so are Showtime I'm sure so are the UFC so is Dana White like, this is this is very difficult to get this to happen and there's only so long the UFC can, can even attempt to make this happen because they need Connor McGregor to fight badly yeah, but in the UFC, I think I don't think the negotiations are like a Pacquiao or something like that. I think it'd be I think it's easier than that for them to be honest because I don't think McGregor is going to be looking for 50 50. Like he's not going to be looking for something outrageous like Pacquiao was looking for at the start and things. I don't think that's it. Like I think McGregor would be happy with like 70 30 or something like that. And the UFC are going to you know get their amount. That's still going to be a fucking shitload of money. Like that's that's still going to be like upwards of 50. 75 minutes or something from where whatever it is i don't know i'm just throwing those numbers out uh, i don't think that'll be it but that we're kind of getting off track in a minute look uh, the date from september is kind of moving so let's look we'll see what happens next to that as you said there isn't much there i think there's stuff happening behind the scenes but we aren't hearing about much stuff so um you know there's that but let's look at then nate diaz and he came out and did a, a long you know hour and a half interview or well no it wasn't an hour and a half but an hour interview with ariel and 
look, he didn't really, he didn't say much. He said, he said he went on a kind of a Diaz brother thing. The last time he did it was, I thought it was a lot better because he's kind of a lot of stuff to say and he's a lot of stuff to work though. But he's basically saying that he's the money fight. He doesn't need Connor. He doesn't want Connor. He wants his own, make his own money fight. But like, Dana White isn't playing, you know, he, Dana White will be happy to play hardball with Nate Diaz because he knows whenever he wants, he can just call up and give him a little bit more and he'll take it and he'll fight and the fans will come in their droves to watch it. But the same amount of fans that have come right now, you know, I think, as you said with McGregor, the shine is on him now and he's the big, huge draw now. And I think Diaz did lose him the last time and that takes a little bit of the Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Fallon stuff off him, like, because you know it was very short term for him in that way he didn't get the mega star level now he's big and i, I don't know i don't know if it does i think that just one second one second i think he's uh, even without that what i just said there i still think he's like mcgregor rousey you know nate diaz john jones is out there like i think if nate diaz against barboza nate diaz against ferguson was a pay-per-view headliner i think that does more boys than almost any fight the ufc can put on now when mcgregor yeah. and them isn't there you know, Nathan Khabib, GSP as well. There, yeah. Nathan Khabib would do great numbers. I'd say. Uh, they need the, the UFC should like. It depends on what Nate is looking for. People seem to forget that he did sign a contract and that he does. He, he does have some um, legal obligation to his contract. Unless the UFC wants to tear it up and give him a new one. He, yeah, like, like people don't seem I don't to understand that part of the part. They seem to they seem to just overlook that when they're talking about the contract situations with fighters and the UFC. The UFC are in the business just handing out money when they don't have to or when they don't feel that they, they need to. I think the Diaz brothers, they wait out to get a good bit of money. But like what they're waiting out isn't... That's what everyone should be getting. Like They're not waiting out for something extraordinary. Like What fighters get now is way too little. And they're just waiting out for like maybe too little again, but you know, close to what they actually should be getting. And I think they're right to do that, you know, hundred percent. Yeah, but, no, I think I think. Uh, but do you think if if Nate Diaz was offered a million purse, it's just that's it, win or lose yeah. a million, to fight Tony Ferguson or to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov, that he's going to do it? Yeah, I think he would. It's. You think? I think. I don't know if he would. Why not? Because he just he seems he seems to to want the McGregor money. Yeah, he did. What, what, what he was saying on the MA, or, which the UFC aren't going to give him because McGregor's the only person on the McGregor money. The thing is, as well, with him, if he takes either of those two fights, like, I, I think he'd I think he'd win uh, definitely against uh, Tony Ferguson. Anyway, we spoke about that last week, so no need to go over it again. But he could lose. Like, those those two fights are definitely losable. And in the McGregor fight, it's just gone totally, like, more than likely. It's, it's not. Gone it's not yeah, yeah, I suppose it's not either. Get him on a couple of, couple of nice fights, a couple of nice style matchups. And then you have them talk about a trash and nobody cares and people don't even know what, what's happened. The casuals don't even know what's happened. Give him Cowboy Cerrone again. <laughs> yeah, give him Cowboy Cerrone and nobody will even know that they fought before uh, outside of the hardcores. And uh, you can get him back in contention that way. And you can just talk it out of trash and people don't really care. Like, you know, Nate Diaz wasn't exactly on a massive run when he fought McGregor the first time, but people were still very excited about it. Yeah. 1.6 odd million people bought the pay-per-view. I've I've been saying it for a while. I think Woodley's the perfect fight, to be honest. For Nate, yeah, I don't think there's a, like Maya's coming up now. He obviously deserves it, but like Woodley said, he's fighting in what two two months or something like that. That's going to be a quick turnaround for Maya. Like Nate is is training. Nate's always fit and stuff. If he is fucking eight ten weeks to prepare for that fight, that's you know that's plenty for him. I think he can do it. Obviously, he's a lightweight. He he, he fought McGregor at welterweight twice. He's fought a welterweight before. Fought Rory McDonald, and. Uh, 
other people. Did he fight Damien Maia even? Am I gone mad or did he? No, I don't think so. No, but he he fought a couple more. He fought um he fought the Young Green Kim. Zombie, yeah, or not? Yes, I no, was no. gonna mix up. What's his name? Sun Gun, yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, th- I think he, I like. I think that's the fight. Um, um, Woodley wants a big fight. Nate Diaz will only fight for big money. You can put him on that pay per view money, then or like a lesser version of it or something. When he's fighting for a title, I think you can do that. But yeah, I don't know. Like by the sounds of him, Nate is coming off a loss though. Yeah, it doesn't. Matter. It doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. yeah. Anymore. But like the thing is, he did. He sounded like he, like he sounded like he didn't even care about fighting McGregor too much, even though he kind of does. You know, you, I think he's trying to play that thing, though, yeah. trying to not not look desperate for that. Yeah, but he's right too, like because you can fight. As you were saying there, you can fight Ferguson and for a million, you can fight Woodley for a million, or you can wait six months and fight McGregor for three million, probably like something like that. Like which you going? Or you do? can do all of them. Yeah, or you can wait, wait till McGregor is beaten by f- fights. Sorry, fight Mayweather. <laughs> Same thing. Um, and then say, all right, my, now my time to fight McGregor. And if McGregor says, thanks for the cheese. I'm retiring. I'm gone. Then you can say, all right, I'll just fight um because they're going to be badly need, badly need of someone. Then you can say, okay, I'll fight uh, Tyron Woodley now. I'll fight Damian Meyer, whoever it is. I'll fight uh, uh, the lightweight champion, whoever it might be at that time when McGregor, if he gives up his belt, if he retires. So there's they a lot offered, of they offered him Eddie Alvarez and he turned it down. I was surprised at that. He should have taken that. That's a very nice style matchup. And it depends what they were offering him, obviously. But if they if they were offering him if they were offering him good money, that was a nice that was a nice fight to get another win under your belt, strengthen your position for the being the first man to welcome McGregor back from having a baby or boxing Floyd Mayweather. That is true. That is true. But look. Aldo and Khabib should have fought for the privilege as well. Uh, don't, 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 don't. Stop. Just, you can't say that to me anymore. The, the, depressed enough as it is. And that fight got away. Next time I'm they're losing, I'm going to send you a message saying Aldo and Khabib. Do up a Photoshop of the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you're even more depressed. Right, let's let's move on to the women's 125 pound division, which was accidentally announced this week. I and mean, Dana White says it's and then we're trying to do it. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to do it, but uh, we're not sure if we are doing it. But I think they actually are doing it. You have some very very strong thoughts on this, Graham, don't you? Tell us. Well, not particularly, but uh, there's just not enough. Um... There's not enough talent to at these weight classes to have four women's divisions. It's it's there's not, not enough talent for the three they have at the moment. There's barely enough talent for the two they have the, the two they had before they introduced 145 and now 125. Um, Bellator have 125 or signed up. Uh, they have their own division with the with the seeming with, with what people think are the best 125ers. So uh, I just don't think the talent is here. I think we're going to be watching. Dan Doyce, what, what was her name? We're going to be Seems watching people like Dandois. like Dandois. We're going to be watching a lot of fights like that. I think uh, if this, if we have four women's divisions uh, within ten pounds of each other, yeah, at this stage with the talent pool. You have the, the rankings open there, don't you? Name out the top five or six fighters there in the hundred twenty five um, rankings at the according moment. According to MMARising.com, they have uh, Jennifer Maya number one. She's fourteen four and one. They have Vanessa Porto eighteen and seven. They have uh, Rin Nakai, <laughs> uh, 19, 2 and 1. They have uh, Sarah Delalio, 11 and 6. They have Roxanne Mardaferi, 13, or 19 and 13. 
they have um hmm, Kuma Nizadzi nine and zero. I definitely nailed their name there. We get the idea. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. th- just just going by them, not great. That means that they're going to be taking people from the strawweight division and from the bantamweight division, which are already terribly light. You know, I, outside of the top I, three or four, they're they're close to the diabolical. Like I think the, the hundred and thirty-five pound division, there's definitely enough uh, talent there for the, for that. But for when you get to 125, 115, you have some very good fighters in all three of those weight classes. But you don't have enough very good fighters to fill all three of those weight classes. You know, four I, weight I actually, classes as well. Yeah, but no, but I'm saying, say, 125, 115, 105. 105 still isn't in the UFC. And I actually think there's a lot of good people fighting at that way or could fight at that way. Like, if you look just through the rankings, Tisha Torres fight, could fight 105. Uh, Paige Van Zandt could probably fight 105. You have Michelle Waterson, Jessica Binet. They've fought at 105 before. They could all fight down there. That's not... They're fighting above their weight at throwweight. And there's some people as well, like Joanna... Um, or sorry, um... Joanne Calderwood, even Joanne and JJ, Valerie Letourneau, who's now at Bellator, they were fighting below their weight. Even probably, probably would have went to 125 if it was yeah. there instead of going all the way down to 115. Yeah, and that's probably where she will go as well. So, you know, there's, there's going to be so much movement. That's why I always talk about the, the uh, cruiserweight division not happening, because what are you going to do? You're going to get people from a terrible heavyweight division and a terrible light heavyweight division, and instead of two terrible divisions, you've three even worse divisions. And that's yeah. what you're going to have here at Women's Bentonweight. But the thing is, or, uh, sorry, at women's flyweight. The thing is, they're growing all the time. And women's MMA is growing. So it's a good thing to have them there so they can grow into that division. Which I Could they not just do it in Invicta, though? Invicta is yeah. basically the UFC. They have people under contract who are in Invicta. They have people who are under contract even outside of Invicta in Mackenzie Dern. and Invicta is great. Dave Mackenzie Dern under contract today? I didn't know that. Apparently she's under contract with the UFC already. Or with Zufa or WMI or whatever. The thing about Invicta is I love Invicta. I think it's really good. And I think as a feeder league like that, it's doing great things. But like Invicta's Invicta's hard to like loads of people watch it, but it's hard even for someone like me who watches MMA every weekend to watch like uh, not hard uh, hard to watch in a way that like it's on really really late at night you know it's it's on it's on a stream it's on five pass you soft know, you're not going to go back and watch all the fights like look at look at this um this fight coming up between aguilar even uh, like neither of those two people are ranked at oh aguilar is ranked but her opponent i don't think he's ranked um Courtney guess I'm just looking at here. No, she's not. Like, if they that's a fight that could happen in Invicta, and it'd be a really good fight there. It could be a really good fight on Saturday night. But like, if it happened in Invicta, we're probably not seeing it. But where if Aguilar or Casey goes out and puts on a really good display, they could win fight at night. You know, we could be talking about it on that night. People are going to be tweeting about it. Whereas Invicta, that's you know, that's not really going to happen there, is it? So I think they do need to be in the UFC to to uh, you know to develop m- more, but. I don't think they're even developed enough to get to that point yet. You know, it's it's just it's just not there. I think the I mentioned to you the other day. I think the fact that there's a gap between one fifteen and one thirty five, in a kind of a humane way for people like Joanne, Joanne or sorry Joanne Calderwood, who are killing themselves to get down to one fifteen. You needed it if, if that's another reason to have it. So I'm okay with the division, even though I said it for a while. I think one o five, apart from one thirty five, probably is the best division in in the, in uh, women's MMA. But for the reason they want to kill that gap, that's what they, they definitely need to get rid of one forty five now, because one thirty five is going to be ruined for people going. 145 and 125 um 
Just have super maybe, fights for Cyborg. Just maybe, the, yeah, maybe maybe they just do the Cyborg super fights or special fights. But they are. Uh, they kind of are. You know, let's be honest here. They have no division. Well, I got called from the start. There's no one in that division. There's Cyborg. Well, they've been talking about Tronic at the Durand around me to fight, but she's injured or doesn't want to fight or something. So. And who else? Heidi, Holly Holm has gone back down. Dan Dahl was a 45 or She's fighting a 135 and is absolutely terrible. There's no one else. There's literally <laughs> two people in the division. Literally two people. Megan Anderson division. is under contract she's as well. And it's Megan. Megan. Yeah, there you go. <sighs> anyway, right. What else do we talk about? Okay, we have a few other topics. Let, let me throw them out at you here, Graham. Uh, Pat Wickstead against Paul Hughes. What a fight. Yeah, it should be a very good fight. It just got announced uh, for Bama 30 in Dublin July 7th, is it? Uh, possibly, yeah, I think so. Kiefer Crosby's fighting as well, isn't he? Um, any other yeah, he's fighting Harry Marple. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Phil Muppeter and Miles uh, Price was already announced mm-hmm. for that. And... And what was it? there was a third of fight? Let me just Chris check that. Stringer, Chris Stringer is fighting, isn't he? That was the fight that was announced. Reds are yeah, fighting. Yeah. Reds are yeah. fighting. Uh, who's he fighting? It's Rob Sinclair, is uh, it? Blaine Odr- yeah, Blaine O'Driscoll's uh, fighting as well. Nice. I'll go for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about them more in depth as they come up. But I think the one that stood, stood out is definitely Wicks said against Hughes. And like it's something I've said in the podcast a lot over the last maybe year or so. And from maybe an outside perspective, someone like you or other people who are kind of in Dublin in, and in the heart of Irish MMA, like I like when Irish lads fight each other. Like I have no problem with that. And I think there's been a kind of a reluctance to do that. But I think this shows like the progression of Irish MMA that two Irish lads, good up and coming lads who are very, very good, will go in there and, and fight each other. Like one, one's going to lose, one's going to win. But like they're going to have still bought a future so i'm looking forward to seeing that fight like paul hughes i think impressed a lot of people in his last fight unbelievable hands you know probably up there with the best debuts we've seen in this new progression of irish yeah. MMA. really really good and paddle wick said is you know as a whiz as well i was talking to a few people it's like his ground game is very very good we saw um, there's a video today going around of paul hughes as well grappling with alan phil bot so it's going to be a good fight all the way around and you know we said can hit as well so it's you know it's going to be fun yeah Paul Hughes' hands looked unbelievable in his uh, his Bama debut in the last fight. He's been working with Donard McNally. He's been working with all the Carl Carl Moore, uh, Joe McCaughan, all them lads up north. So uh, he looks to be progressing rapidly as well. I think he's still only nineteen, or he might be twenty now. So he's very very young. And uh, Pat O'Wick said is still very young as well. He's been around for so long that uh, people may forget that he's actually very young as well. So both these guys have huge futures ahead of them. That's why people. People prefer, or a lot of people in the, in the Irish MMA community prefer if Irish guys don't fight each other, especially like early on in their careers, because somebody has to lose and somebody kind of gets set back. But um, there's some that in in the past there wasn't as many Irish guys in in similar weight classes. Nowadays, there's so many that it's bound to happen more more often. Um, and as you said, um, doesn't doesn't there doesn't seem to be much of a, a negative reaction to this one. People seem to be happy about it, even though maybe in the past people would have been. Would have been saying, ah, oh, why don't they fight some? Why don't they both fight a British guy or a European guy, and hopefully both keep their winning streaks going and their uh, their progression going. But losing isn't the end of the world, especially um, especially when you're young in your young in your career. Career. Yeah, 
Briefly as well, Tony Ferguson, or sorry, Tony, uh, Anthony Pettis is fighting. Uh, Jim Miller should be good. Robbie Lawler's fighting. Cowboy Cerrone as well should be a very good fight. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, Charlie Ward, did we talk about that last week? Well, yeah, yeah. Charlie Ward is, has announced a fight for uh, UFC Scotland as well. We'll probably talk more about that when, it, yeah. when it's going Galore Bufando, he's a kickboxer. He's, uh, he's had a couple of losses, but they both came due to a DQ from illegal strikes. So he's never been... A, He's never been beaten properly, <laughs> but he's been, he's beaten himself twice. <laughs> uh, GSP as well. Bisping, huge delay for that. GSP says they want to fight in uh, any time after October. So, like, it doesn't really much talk uh, about 2020, 2021, whenever, whenever, whenever. Whenever it is. Whenever uh, I get around to it. Before we get to the questions, Cage Warriors. Um, John, big win for John McGolligan over there. Even though, and there's another thing actually. Before we get to that, uh, before we get to the questions, Joe McCulligan wasn't. It wasn't streamed anywhere yet, but you, you saw it, and someone had it on like a Facebook stream. Cage Warriors. Yeah, somebody had a Facebook live. It wasn't a it wasn't a very good stream, and uh, they stopped recording about five seconds before the end. And then Joe McCulligan submitted uh, uh, Richard Williams with a guillotine one second to go. So uh, didn't get to see that. But um, <laughs> at the start of the the very start of the first round, Joe McCulligan landed a nice combination and uh, dropped him hard. So Williams was kind of on the back foot from then on. And uh, Joe uh, always works the body well, and he did again in this fight. And uh, some nice leg kicks as well, and basically beat Williams up and then submitted him with a guillotine one second to go. So, yeah, dominant performance, and he got the finish. Yeah, uh, Gavin Kelly as well. That's it. Gavin Kelly's his name, isn't it? Right? I'm, yeah, um, yeah. He fought uh, on the main card and uh, took a big kind of heavy knockout there. Got rocked a few times before he went down, so it was an unfortunate loss for him. Then you had the main event, um, which was unfortunately ended after twenty seconds when Lu Long took Chemels down, and uh, he um, he hurt his knee apparently in a in a in a weird kind of way. We, there was reports coming out of. Um, of certain injuries, but I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think they were as accurate maybe as uh, as they might have seemed. I think he, like, or else he went in there with the injury. So, you know, it's, it's tough to know on that one, I suppose we'll wait and see. But Lu Long is a guy who kind of, we, I don't know. What, what, was that? Last week. Sorry, what was that? There's a report came out that he, like, in, did two certain ligaments and they were like five minutes after the fight happened. The, the doctor said it to like reporters on the scene and like oh, without okay. a scan or anything like that. Like, how would how would you even know at that? Yeah, stage? like yeah. unless unless you already went into it with it. And I asked a friend of mine who's a physio and who's very open that kind of area, and he said that that's a very very unusual injury. That it was the two outside ligaments that tore, and he said that had never happened normally without tearing the ACL as well, the middle ligament. So he said that's very unlikely unless it's a real serious injury, and it didn't look like that at all. It looked like it actually didn't look like anything. It didn't. It was hard to see where it even happened. So maybe he went in there with it. Maybe something. Yeah. You know, these things can happen. We don't see them, but um, yeah, it was it was unfortunate. But Lou Long. Look, called out for UFC Scotland afterwards. You know, if he'd gone in there and got a very good win here, it mm. was definitely a possibility. But after uh, after that, it's going to be tough. Jay Mills injuries. Pendred, Pendred beat him, and yeah. uh, Jay Mills was uh, uh, saying he was injured in the fight, and it kind of took the gloss off it a little bit in a lot of people's eyes. Um, it's kind of unfortunate when you win, and it turns out, and your opponent is uh, injured, and it's kind of hard to to maybe do the post-party interview that you wanted to do and call out the people you wanted to call out or call for the UFC. People don't take you quite as seriously as if you had to just uh, dominated somebody or knocked them out or submitted them. 
100%. Right, questions. Mr. Podge at one. Mr. Podge, give him a follow. Best friend of the podcast. How do you see Hinnom Rao's return to Bantamweight going? Will the break from cutting weight do serve him well? Um, mm, I don't know. I, I don't think the way uh, no one yeah, do weight cutting is, is very good. I don't I don't, I don't think this is a great idea for him, really. Yeah, I don't either. I think he's, he's too small at 145, but I don't think he's good. their cutting is good enough to get him down to 135 healthy enough. Um, I just... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a good move for him going back. Uh, how we've helped or snatch, Grantman, at Pat underscore McGrine underscore for the win, FTW. How do people hold up Diaz Brothers like some tough guy fighting gods? I understand how they got their legendary cardio, but Diaz Brothers have run... Uh, yeah, no, that's what, but yeah. Um, look, I think people just love them, they're they're real, as the Americans like to say. If you're real, is like sticking up your middle finger and acting like you're tough, which, they say what uh, they I'm think not, and they, 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 they don't pretend uh, to be somebody they're not. Uh, well, I don't know. I like the act, like I, I, I'm a fan. Of, I'm a pro wrestling, but like they're pro wrestling characters to me. But people seem to think that this stuff is real, which I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I think it's real. I, I think they're. I think. I think that the Diaz brothers are living. Are living that that life that they think like they speak. Possibly, maybe. Uh, yeah. I think they are. I think. Um, I think they're actually smarter than people make out as well in terms of the fight game. A lot of people even. Eddie Alvarez, you know, taking the, the Conor McGregor fight in the same money that he got before. Obviously, he's going to get more pay-per-view points, but he, he was in a position of strength having the belt, and he didn't use it. And uh, I think uh, you'd never catch Nate, D- Nate Diaz doing that. So there, people may mock them for being idiots, but uh, I think they're smarter than people give them credit for. So do I, yeah. Like, I think by talking like that, and they're good fighting style as well, good fighters, I think that's why people like them, you know, they're different as well. That's the thing in MMA that we used to have an awful lot. Like people like Tank Abbott, people like Chuck Liddell, you know, they're different and they're different. That's what they are. That's that's just human nature. Like, so I think that's, uh, that's the reason. Okay. Parshin asks with the, a lot of holdups at middleweight, do you think there's anyone that should move up to light heavyweight? I'm just looking at the division here. <sighs> like they could, you could, like light heavyweight is so bad that if anyone good moved up, they could, they could get it. You mentioned um, David Branch earlier. He's fought a light heavyweight before. You could see that happening if he if he gets a loss. Luke Rockhold, I'd say he could fight a light heavyweight. Chris Weidman has talked about fighting a light heavyweight. Mosassi's fought a light heavyweight before. You know, there's a lot of guys that could. Will they move up? I'm not sure. Maybe Jacare as well. But like, there's a lot of names there that could, but I don't know if any of them actually will. Do you think anyone, any of those ones will? Um, I don't think so. Um, there's nobody really big that's killing themselves to get down. Maybe Romero's killing himself to get down a bit, but I don't see him changing weight classes at age 40 or 41. Um, Anderson's been up there before, but I don't see him going back. Um, you never know with Anderson, though. He could step in late notice and end up back at 205. Uh, Vitor could end up back at 205 just because he's probably not going to retire, really, is he? Um, uh, he'd probably not. Yeah. He'd probably win this 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 fight and then not retire. I'm back, Jesus! I'm back. <laughs> okay, Andy Hall at Bootneck Andy. Jesus. He's a couple of questions, but uh, first of all, he asked about Conor McGregor's uh, baby. A funny question there. Who's going to be the first to call him out? But um, fair, just for bled him. I suppose we better give a word of congratulations to they had the baby this weekend. We we're not going all clickbaiting and put up an article about it here or anything, but uh there's there's a fair play at them anyway. Do you do you agree, Graham? Are you gonna be yeah. a promotion about that as well? <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Connor Jr. Yeah. 
Now a new, new Conor McGregor in town. And indeed. <laughs> young, young wolf. Is the place big enough for two Conor McGregors? We'll, we'll surely find out soon. <laughs> um, at, at Nate Gildea, stylistically, is TJ versus Cody the best fight the UFC could put on right now? Although it could be. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think it's uh, it's a fucking brilliant fight. That's the most the fights that they that they have put on. I think it's the best one coming up. I think Connor and Khabib actually could be a better fight. To be honest, just thinking about it now, I don't think Connor and Khabib be better than Aldo. Like I think if Connor beats Khabib, he'll destroy him, knock him out. I think if Khabib beats Connor, he'll take him down and destroy him and hold him down and wear him out. Whereas I think Khabib and Aldo will go toe to toe, just. Not total to boxing, but total to like grappling, fighting, and just be brilliant all around. I think I'd love that fight. Or Aldo will just destroy him on the feet early, or yeah, it's a, yeah. There's a, there's a lot more things that can happen in the in the Aldo one. It's just the most intriguing, intriguing fight. It depends what you think best means. I suppose the the hype wouldn't be behind the Khabib Aldo one with the casuals, but the the hardcores would be foaming at the mouth. <laughs> Me especially. Pants and pants off. <laughs> Forming it. Oh no, I can't say that. Um, Kevin, <laughs> it's a fair era. I'll say it now. It's a famous rap line. So you can't blame me for it. who says it. I think it's I think it's Eminem. He says, "Forming at the lips, the ones between the hips." So there you go. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, Kevin Higgins, <laughs> Kevin Higgins, IRL. Over you cut that out. Over eleven months since. <laughs> Looking my dick when licking my toes. <laughs> Quick honor. Uh, over eleven months. It's only months a rap. It's only a rap lyric. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that would be grand. I won't have to apologize. Uh, over 11 months since Bisping won the title, do you think he's running scared from the top five? No, I think he's running to yeah, a money fight. Yeah. Yeah. He's running all the way to the bank. Yeah, agree. Uh, Kieran asked the underscore Irish Kieran, who will be the next Irish MMA star and will Joe Duffy become a big name if he goes to Bellator? Um, will he become a big name if he goes to Bellator? No, I don't think so. Um, um, I think the the casual fans, the casual fans will uh, will never really get behind Duffy. To be honest, he doesn't have the that um, magnetism that that all big stars in the UFC have uh, personality wise. Uh, I think the hardcore fans and the people who who maybe even not casual but watch the, the UFC from time to time already like Joe Duffy and. We'll continue yeah. to like him no matter where he fights, but I don't see Joe Duffy, even if he's in the UFC or in Bellator, becoming a megastar or a household name ever. I think he could become a Bellator star, though, in a similar way to Michael Chandler, that like he's not a star star, but he's a Bellator. Yeah, nobody's heard of Michael Chandler, and, and if you true, ask yeah. somebody in Dublin or who isn't a hardcore MMA fan, you know, it's very hard to become a star in MMA. Like Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey crossover is, is very unique. Yeah, and his other question right here. I'll I'll phrase it this way for you: someone that isn't in the UFC, isn't in Bellator, who out of people from Ireland fighting now can become ranked in the top ten in the UFC. If you had to predict, if you had to go five years into the future or something, who do you think can get there? Which up and coming mm-hmm. Irish fighter? Not in Bellator, not in the UFC. Um... Paul Hughes comes to mind, but maybe yeah, you stole my one, you bastard. Yeah, and Paul yeah. Hughes is definitely mine anyway. I think him. There's, there's a lot of them, like in fairness, the code. Dylan Toots coming off a loss, but I thought, you know, he definitely has um, the prospect Who? of being a really, really good fighter. Dylan Duke. Oh, he's in Bellator though. 
He fought for Bellator. Is he? Did it? Did he fought yeah, for Bellator? He, he fought. Win. He fought Cam- Cameron Elson. Did he? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that? Did he beat him? No, he lost. That was we the last fight. Remember? Was that, that was in Bam. Got bumped up to the mate. You know, got bumped up to Bellator uh, oh, after oh, some fights on the Ah, go on. Pay attention, Sean. You're meant, you're meant to be. You're meant to be an expert. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> is he actually in Bellator? Does has he signed a contract? He fought in Bellator. His last fight was in Bellator. I'm not sure what the deal is with the with the contract. Friends of Lambo, there, there's your answer. So there's another one. Uh, you would know. Hey, Daily, come on, Severe Maison, get in, get him into UFC there. Uh, Callum, <laughs> Callum Divin, are we coming to a boss period in MMA? Doesn't seem to be a whole lot boiling over at the moment. Great fights, but not really superstar. No, we're not. This happens all the time. This, is, if you go back, what, what was last year? 2016. Great 2016. 2015 was crap. 2014 was great. The year before that was crap again. It kind of happens. I don't know. Oddly, it happens year by year, but it it, it is a sport like that. You know, which, where which it year does, was it that every main event fell apart with injury? Was that 2013 or 2014, where every single fight just fell apart with injury, and it was it was like a Nobody believed any fights when they were announced. It was like, yeah. yeah, yeah right. Was it 2015? I think it was just 2015. So much has happened since then. But yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. this just happens. Um, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor could could be back. And John Jones will be back soon. And you never know what's going to happen. Like any moment, there could be uh, anything could happen. It's, it's, it's a circus out there in yeah. the MMA like- world. Still, it's a lull, but like we've two really good title fights coming up next weekend. You with TJ against Cody coming up. Imagine if you get Carmia against Jones, which is more likely going to happen. You're then going to get Bisping against GSP, which isn't the best fight in the world, but it's probably going to sell a lot. Going to be a lot of hype around it. You know, that's I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, Kieran Stephen at the Superlad. Pick your quick fire winners. Pick your quick fire winners of these fights. Justin Gaethje versus Gilbert Menendez. I take Gaethje in that one. You? Yeah, Gaethje, yeah. Whiteford against Brendan Lochnan. Brendan Lochnan. I think Lochnan wins that, yeah. Peter Queeley against Paul Redmond. Ooh. Hmm. At 155, yeah. Um, I think Queeley's a bit bigger than him, though, is he? He can yeah. fight, actually. Hmm. I think I said that last week, did I? Maybe. Never thought about that one. Yeah, no. hmm. um, I'll go Rezzer. Mm. Um, I don't know. The Queely look good. I got Queely. We'll go one on one. I don't know. It's though. probably going to be a close, I honestly close don't know. Either way. Yeah. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum versus Gegard Musasi. Mm. I think Kelvin. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Gegard, though. Yeah. Um, I'll probably go Gegard. John Jones versus Francie Ingano. John Jones. Fancy. Uh, Kieran Seven last game. What <laughs> would you actually take Francie over John? Yeah, yeah I would. Yeah. What potatoes would you both recommend to accompany a ham and cheese tossed sambo? Batch Brennan's bread. What potatoes is it? Potatoes. Yeah. Oh, um, what potatoes? Potato is potato. Walkers, Walkers cheese and onion potatoes. No, hunky dory potatoes. Hunky nori sour cream and that's make sense. Potato yeah. is a brand. I don't think I've eaten a pack oh, of potatoes in about a year. Honestly, I never eat potatoes. I'm not a big potato man at all. I like a hunky dory every now and again, though. It'd be nice. I think I think they say on that there, Grant. No, they're not <laughs> called potatoes. They're called crisps. 
They're potatoes. Uh, Andy Stevenson uh, at Andy Stee one two three with rhymes. Come and play with me. Who signs first with the UFC between Queeley, Reese McKee, Paul Hughes, Joe McCulgan? Oh, that's an interesting. I'd say Queeley there because Queeley's further along in his progression than all them. Even though Joe McCulgan beat him, but Joe's only what two and two or something now, or t- t- four and one or so. I don't know. I'm bad at numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Three and one. Um, yeah, I think Queeley's the closest uh, due to his record and uh, just after winning there in Russia. I think one big name win uh, and Queeley. Queely will either be there or should be there. There used to be there used to be seven or eight Irish guys in the UFC. Now that now they're down to what is it, Conor McGregor, Artem, uh, well, yeah, Artem, Artem series semi retired. Joe Duffy, um, Joe Duffy's semi out of contract. The Irish Paul, guys are Paul in there. <laughs> yeah, mine's best friend. Um, yeah, so if they want to put on cards and uh, track the Irish fans across the UK cards and put on an Irish card, they'd want to have a couple of Irish cards. I suppose they still have Charlie Ward, but uh, oh, yeah, he's, on Scot- he's on the Scotland card. Um, we, used to have, we, we used to have more when Norman Park and Pendred and Redzer and there was a Siri wasn't semi retired and we could do with another one in there. So yeah, get Queely in there. Is that, I heard Siri's going to fight at 170. Is that true? Siri? Yeah, uh, yeah he'll fight. He'll fight. Uh, 185. You'll have to cut down for that. Or 205. <laughs> Paddy Pimblett versus Brendan Lachnan when it happened in 2017. One word. Yes, I think. What do you think? No. Oh. Well, Andy Stevenson again. What are your thoughts on the IMMAA slash IMAC situation? Graham? At least they're not talking about it being voyeur or being pornographic and gay and all the stuff that they were talking about before. Is that the word they use? Yeah, I can't remember. They were going a bit mental. Yeah, Pete did an article on this. Uh, was it in News Talk? I think it was. Uh, I, yeah. I put up, I sw- tweeted the article as well, and I put it up on my uh, Facebook page, Go over to Shanchi and MMA. You'll see it there, and I need like two or three down. But yeah, I, like PT spoke about it over on Talking Brawls this week. Go to check out that. But like, uh, there's there's a lot of, see, there's kind of two sides to this this whole debate. There's the people who are kind of wanting to to get to where we need to get to and then there's people saying uh but not with what we have to do to get there you know so there's there's a lot of that going on there's you know pizza just spoke about it very well and it's a frustrating i think for both sides especially frustrating for the people who are actually trying to do it and for pizza as well who's trying to get the actual information out but this situation basically is that the the IMAA are obviously trying to become a sport with Sport Ireland, and now there's talk about them going in with the IMAC, which is the IMAA. IMMAA is the Irish Miss Martial Arts so Athletes Association. Of, is that it? I don't know something, but they're the, <laughs> the, the, the martial art fucking hell. The, okay, it's the martial MMA lads against the martial arts lads, and the martial arts lads are like karate and you know in their nightgowns and stuff fighting each other, and they don't like MMA because of obviously, you know, something better came out and replaced them. It's like the VHS people get mad at the DVD people, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. And but now they're kind of being, I don't know, they're being forced, but they're being kind of cajoled into taking MMA under their, um, under their IMAC banner as well. And like, I think look, they're taking the this could be mini disc stance. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. This is the fat. Yeah. This is the fat. Like 3D, yeah. Is MMA a fat like 3D? That bullshit is never going to last. But anyway, yeah, like, I, I think that's basically the, the crux of it. 
like if they could if mma could get in with the martial arts association i think that'd be great you know that that would be probably the best thing if they, if they could come to compromise and and you know and work together and and get mma recognized as a sport because it needs to be but if they can't like get mma in by its own or get it in you know some other way but it, it just needs to be done there needs to be progression like this could be a huge moment for progression but i suppose we'll see keep Follow Pizza Carroll at Pizza Carroll on, on Twitter and he'll keep you updated. He's the one working probably harder than anyone, you know, even involved yeah. in this trying to get things uh, going. So fair play to Pizza. Uh, okay, Jesus, I talked for about half an hour there. Simon O'Keefe, worst tattoo in the UFC. Who's the worst tattoo in the UFC? Oh, the damage is pretty bad on Darren Elkins. Oh yeah. uh, well, Vincent Anderson's not in the UFC anymore, but his back tattoo, the Eagles' wings are just terrible. What about uh, it's not a tattoo, but uh, Owen Saint Prue's uh, dodgy horseshoe? Oh, yeah. That's double that's horseshoe. There's surely it's some property. It's like I if think... you're gonna burn them, at least burn them properly. Yeah, Simon says Mike Perry's tattoo in his face. That's pretty bad. That is. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty bad. Uh, no, it's a bad tattoo as well. He probably give out to me. Nobody tweet him. Gra- uh, Graham Boylan has a pretty bad tattoo on like Chinese things under his ear. I was watching Cage Warriors the other day. He's, he's shot at Graham Boylan. He's not even in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw it the other day. I was like, "That's that's a yeah, bad." I bet you he regrets that now. But uh, fair play to Graham Bailey. But on a good job to be. Oh, some some terrible tattoos. In fairness, uh, yeah. Every every second fight is a terrible tattoo. Any neck tattoo is just terrible. Cody Garbrandt, just his whole body is terrible. There you go. Uh, <laughs> 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 Jesus, there's a lot of people going to be hating me after this podcast. Jack Durgis, uh Miss at Mister Jack Durgis, check him out over on wherever he is where is he now these I can't remember he's, he's in a play in London I think I believe uh, with Joanna versus Andraj coming up a fantasy MMA question for you who do you give Joanna a chance against at 135 hmm. does she chance be... against I give her a chance against everybody does she beat Ronda Rousey yeah I, I she can. She well. so don't. She, she, not, not, she definitely does. I think. I think I'd probably pick her straight up. But it's. It's. Uh, Ronda's uh, not what she used to be. I think mentally and. Uh, I think that um, unwavering belief in herself is gone. I think that was a big part of her game as well. So yeah, I'd probably uh, pick Joanna if the if the if it yeah, was made today. I think she'd beat Liz Carmouche. I think she'd beat Betch. I think she'd beat Marion Renault. I think she'd beat Chukag. And I think she'd. Pinnington would be a good fight. It'd be, be, she'd be big for her, maybe. Juliana Pena might take her down. You bet. Yeah. She'd definitely beat people. She'd definitely beat people. Yeah. Um, Farrell Connolly. Fair play to Farrell. Farrell, good man. At Farrell Connolly. Does the winner of Edgar versus Ayer fight Aldo versus Holloway winner for the title? Depends on who it is, and maybe not Edgar again. If maybe not Edgar versus Aldo. Edgar, yeah, I think we talked about this last week. If it's uh, if it's Aldo who wins, it'll be it'll be less likely to be Frank Yeager. But if it's Holloway, it'll nearly definitely be Frank Yeager if he beats uh, Yeager. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think that's basically it. Uh, at Varpality, Andrew Pearson, who runs a very good thing over in MMA Mania, Midnight Mania, I think it's called. Check that out. Who will the champion be? And he says the top 10, we're not going to do that. Who will be the champion be? Uh, who will the champion be a women's flyweight? Hmm, the first champion. Yeah. Ooh, it depends if they do this tough house thing, because then it's nobody that's in contention really at either division is going to go into that tough house really early. Possibly not. I, it I depends what the cash prize is. If, if there's a quarter of a million on the line like there is on this redemption show, uh, this tough redemption that's going on at the moment, then maybe maybe people uh, 
women in the top couple and uh, 115, 135 would go into the house? Here's my answer. Here comes Karolina Kovalkiewicz. You think she'll do tough? Possibly. Get tough with that. That's just, that's just me saying words. <laughs> I like saying it's very tough we don't even know if this tough house thing is happening. We don't even know if the division's definitely happening because the UFC said they sent out the press release by mistake. Um, I'd say in the future, Joanna will be the will be the longest reigning champion in, in the next three four years out of out of anybody. But it's very hard to predict who will who will actually pick it up first because Carla Sparza picked it up first uh, before Joanna and Jacek at one fifteen. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, the same question is asked by uh, Robert Palmentieri, so we'll skip that. John Minton asks Habib Nurmagomedov. Is Jack Wilter the Habib Nurmagomedov of English football? He definitely is. No, um, no, 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 no. Khabib's actually good. Khabib's actually good. Um, he's probably more <laughs> like the Dan, the Dan Sturge. When he's on, he's on, but he's never on. He's never he's fit. He's oh, never that's, that's, that's the most grim sentence ever ushered there. Well, Wilter is crap, let's be honest. He's not even the best guy in the centre midfield for Arsenal when he was for, being for touted as Aaron Ramsey was always better. When he was being touted as this brilliant player, he was right beside him was a way better player. Yeah. Um, right. Two more questions. There's a weird one here from Fred B at FB20152. How long before boxing fans are calling MMA fans uh, casuals? Uh that's happened for years. Maybe I'm reading that wrong. How yeah. long before boxing fans what start does that mean? Fans and calling us casuals? I think maybe he's getting at how long before boxing fans get mad at MMA fans talking about boxing. That That's happened for years. Oh, well. probably already. Yeah. 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 The second the MMA fans opened their mouths about uh, boxing, uh, they scoffed in our faces. Yeah, that's true. Jeff Shannon asks how Justin Gage will get on 155. We spoke about that a lot last week and this week. I think he'll do okay, but not great. And Dara Kelly, last question, at Kildara, C-I-L-L-D-R-A-G-H. Most memorable walkout you've seen. He talks about Pimblet's last one and McGregor's over at the UFC. Seen live or seen in general? No, just in general, yeah. It's hard to know sometimes. Even when, you, when you're at one that's very loud, uh, and you watch it on TV, it doesn't even seem like it was that loud. But uh, one of the weirdest ones I was... One of the weirdest and best was um, Chris Lieben's walkout uh, against Mark Munoz. He came out to uh, Mad World. Is that that song? Yeah. And it was like real kind of creepy and weird, and it, it just suited. And everybody went mad instead of singing along. That was good. When, uh, when Chris Fields came out to the Foggy Jew before McGregor robbed it on him, uh, Cage Warriors against Jessica. <laughs> that was very good as well. Uh, Ashling Daly, Paddy Houlihan actually at uh, UFC Dublin was very good as well. Yeah, I th- Ashling Daly's on there was definitely the, the best. I think that was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. McGregor's walkout. Or the Korean Zombies walkout, Jim. Great Limerick song, but the McGregor's walkout against Brando as well was unbelievable. That house was insane. Little known fact, actually, uh, Paddy Timmons Ward, uh, who does a bit for Severe and is uh, involved with the documentaries over the years, uh, mixed that song, Connor's Walkout Tune, for the first few fights in the UFC. There you go. Told him no. Told him no. Uh, But (laughs) my favorite's always been Michael Bisping. I think Bisping has the best walkout. It's just, just the song and the way he. Kind of, uh, I just love Bisping's stick. I've always liked it. I think it's it's brilliant. Um, song two is so annoying though, from oh, FIFA '94 or whatever, '98, no, where they just played it over and over again. 
two minutes on. Frank Edgar's walkout also very very good. I like I like his walkout. Uriah Faber's I love a bit of Uriah Faber's walkout. Paddy Bimnitz as well. Paddy Bimnitz is up there already. I said it at the time last time. I think it's it's already up there as a great walkout. Um, I like one of my own. Was obviously brilliant back in the day. I hate Anderson's walkout. Anderson's in the sunshine. Very that. very good. I hate that. It's my least favorite one. It was a good, very good walkout though. No, I don't like it. It was a. Uh, I like the song. I hate the walkout. You knew it was. You hate to hate the walkout, but you love the song. Yeah. So what's just, wrong with the walkout? It's just inappropriate. Like it's like I don't know, stopping up and what's inappropriate? Just, I don't know. It's oh no, not, not recently. Not not since he's been since he lost the belt. But back in the day when he was the best, when he'd come out and he'd just be completely relaxed, and now no. he's like all praying and all this stuff. It's kind of weird. Stopping like, for ages before he gets in the cage. I like a well placed "I'm Coming Home" song. When Matt Dominic did it, I like that. At, at, but when it's done badly, it's the worst walkout song. But when it's done well, it's, it can be up there with the best, I think. One of the worst um, is Ronda's when she puts on that stupid oh, face. Yeah, the stupid face is stupid, but I love Ronda's as well. Ronda's up there with Bisping for me. I think it's brilliant. Oh, uh, that stupid face is ruined it for me. That stupid, mean face she's trying to put on is just, ugh. Do you know who's a good walkout as well? Um, um, Brian Moore. Bit of Luke Kelly. Oh, this is <laughs> we're very, we're a lot of Irish in here. We're very biased. <laughs> okay, podcast is over. Follow me, Shanchi at Shanchi NBA on Twitter. Follow Graham at Severe and May. We're going to have the podcast. We'll be out here today, Monday, Tuesday. We're going to have a big breakdown about um, Jessica Andrade from a new writer on the side. Talking Balls wins uh, Thursday. My. Um, my preview, my new look preview articles. So check all of them out, please. Support the website, severemay.com. At Severe May pod on Twitter, at Severe May on Twitter as well. Follow us on Facebook, everywhere like that. Instagram, Instagram. May. I'm running that now. I'm doing very do well. Have a Snapchat, do we? No, maybe no. not. Andrew still has a podcast for the, the uh, password for that, I think. So there might be. Oh, he could God. be still running. But um, thanks everyone for listening. And before we let you go, here comes the inspirational quote. If you don't, <laughs> I fucked it up. If you can't do great big things, do great little things. See you next Tuesday or Monday.